Welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast, where we'll hear stories from Washingtonians from their favorite food at Waltz or the CAF to their favorite Tiger Tunes shows and professors. We'll also find out what they've been up to outside the famed Washita bubble. I'm your host, John Merriman, Washita's Director of Alumni Relations. Today on the Tiger for Life podcast is Washita graduate Mary Bedner from the class of 2017. After serving in children's ministry at a church in Little Rock pre- and post-graduation, Mary felt called to the mission field and moved to Haiti to teach fourth graders through Mission Haiti in August of 2020. Mary shares about her call to Haiti, what it was like to move to the mission field during the pandemic, how we can get involved in ministering to kids in Haiti, and some of her favorite Washita memories, like directing the Trikai Matches show, learning to cook from Dr. Breck, and Dr. Wright letting her wear the presidential medallion. All right, Mary Bedner, welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast. John, I'm so happy to be here today. Hey, you're one of the first people to reach out after we launched the podcast and talk about Candace's episode. And I was looking through our text about that, and it just made me laugh that here we are a year later. And after our one year like anniversary, you're the first one. Like, you're it. So John, I have loved having this podcast just to listen to, especially being overseas. It's something that um, is kind of comforting to get to listen to, you know, just things that everyone says about Washita and just realizing that you're still a part of the Washita family. So I've really enjoyed having this to listen to. Yeah. I ask our alumni board folks for ideas of names of people to talk to. Cause you know, after a while, I just think, I mean, I don't know who else we should talk to. Uh, Emily makes fun of me that I only interview my friends, you know, so I'm trying to like find new people to talk to. And then Lindsay Catlett was like, you need to talk to Mary. She's in town, you know, over the, over the summer. And I was like, that's a great idea. Why did not, why did I not think about that? So here I am. I'm super pumped to be here today. So thanks for asking me, John. Well, I know you are uh, home, you know, with your family over the summer and have come off the mission field until the fall. Um, No, you moved to Haiti last fall, 2020 in the middle of a pandemic, you know, which is a great time probably to make a move to a foreign country, but um, tell us about your call to the people of Haiti and kind of what led to your decision to move. Yeah, so that's actually a really fun story, and I'm glad that we're starting with that question because that's a question that a lot of people have. Um, Because, you know, I was working at a church in Little Rock, and it was great. I love children's ministry. I always love children's ministry. Um, But I'd been praying for probably a year before last July if the Lord was calling me to go overseas. Um, And All of a sudden, I randomly, it sounds super sketchy, but I got a random Instagram message one day from a girl named Kristen, um, and she's from Canada. And all she said was, oh, have you been on a mission trip to Haiti? And I was like, oh, yeah, I have. I loved it. And she was like, would you be interested in teaching at a school over in Haiti? And I was like, yeah, you know, I really would love to, you know, teach at a school over in Haiti. And um John, I didn't think I was made for the classroom. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, you know, I, you know me well enough to know that, um, you know, I'm kind of everywhere. And so I didn't know if that was really something I was supposed to do, but I reached out to her sister, Cassie, um, who's the principal there. And I have just fallen in love. And so on July 24th, I got that message to her, um, 2020. And then I decided to move on August 24th. So I had 30 days to move. Goodness. And what, what area are you teaching? Like, what, is it a certain grade, a certain group? Yep. So I'm teaching um, fourth grade at a school called Jack, John Alexis Kuzlan Christian Academy. And it's a French and English immersion school. 
And it's one of our um, eight schools that we have through our organization at Mission Haiti. What's that been like teaching uh, fourth graders? I mean, how many do you have in your class? And what, what does a typical day look like when you're teaching there as compared to what it would look like maybe here? You know, fourth graders are fourth graders, no matter where they're at. And so um, there's definitely some different cultural challenges that we run into. Um, but the kids are so willing to help. And, you know, if if you're having a bad day, it doesn't take long to stay in your classroom and get a hug from a kid and just know that, um, you know, they have so little and that you're getting the opportunity to to be able to be a part of their foundation and not just a part of their educational foundation, but also a major part of their of their spiritual foundation. And so um, and like we provide nutritional um, needs, too. So like we provide two meals a day for our students at Jack. And so um I think on my bad days, I just have to remind myself to keep the perspective, you know, keep your perspective that um, our lives, we're, we're, our call is to have an eternal perspective. And so um, there's definitely some challenging days, some challenging behaviors, but it's so encouraging to see how even my kids have grown this past year. So I had 20 this past year, and I think I'll have 24 this next year. Okay. So similar size classroom, probably to a, to a school here in the States. Uh, I mean, yep. does the day look pretty similar? I mean, are you in classes? Do you have recess? Do you have, I mean, is it like kind of a normal school schedule down there? Yep. So that's a great question. So actually our kids learn English two days a week and they learn French three days a week. So we have a co-teacher and on the days that I'm not teaching, I'm just helping with behaviors and that kind of stuff. And other than that, it's a pretty typical day. Like um, on our English days, we'll start with, you know, a morning routine and our English and phonics and then we'll go into math and um like reading and then recess and lunch and then bible and then we'll finish the day with um our daily five groups so it's very very similar to what it would look like you know like the classroom structure is very similar the kids live there at the school or do they kind of travel from neighboring communities what does that look like that's a great question. So they are from different communities. Um, a lot of them are in our village, but there's also, we have a bus that picks up our kids and, you know, a lot of them walk um, to school or to the bus station and go from there. Um, and so we have a lot of schools through Mission Haiti and like, there's some schools that are like up in the mountain and all of that kind of stuff. But for our kids at Jack, um, the majority of them ride the bus to school. And so um, they get there and we do have an orphanage with Mission Haiti as well. And all of our orphanage kids, um, well, most of them have been a part of Jack until they graduated out of that. So, you know, I'm sure it was stressful to make a decision to move in the middle of COVID-19, the pandemic. I have no idea how you were even able to get uh, down there. I guess things were kind of crazy, but how did the pandemic kind of influence your decision to go, not to go? What was that process like? Um, you know, in some ways it was almost easier, John, because I think that, um, children's ministry was not on hold, but it was kind of, you know, that you couldn't do very much. And so, um, but I think what made it the most easy for me moving was the fact that I knew I had to go. And so, you know, when God calls you to do something, people say, oh, well, how did you know that that that's what you were supposed to do? And I think the answer is that you just know. And so, like, I knew the second I got that message from Kristen that that's exactly what I was supposed to do. And so um, at, at that point in Haiti, COVID was not really a huge problem, um, but we're having some more issues now, actually, like 
that we're back here. There's some, you know, numbers that are ramping up over there. And so we're just kind of praying that, um, you know, that gets lined out before we head back over there. But so I would say that it, it helped that we were in the middle of a pandemic, but at the same time, it was super hard because, you know, you didn't get to see, I didn't get to see a lot of the kids before I left. And um, it was really weird for, you know, me to just leave within 30 days. And I know that a lot of people were probably confused, but like I said, the best thing that you can say is that whenever you know that God's calling you to do something, you have to say yes. And so at that point I knew it would be disobedient if I said no. Was it hard to get back? Did you have to have a COVID test, like negative COVID test to come back into the States? Yep. So, but they provide those thankfully at the airport for us. And so we just had to go to the Capitol and, um, right at, right there at the airport, they test you, get your rapid results for you. And thankfully we haven't had many problems at all. So that's good. Yeah. Um, how do you feel like your work in kids and student ministry, as well as maybe your Washtenaw education prepared you for, you know, this life on mission down in Haiti? How do, how do you feel prepared for that? You know, that's a great question. And I tell people all the time that I feel like Washita is just a foundational college. Like it provides you with your degree that you want. Absolutely. But also it's just like you learn things that you don't expect to learn. You know, um, you learn how to lead and your professors care about you and your professors pray for you. And I, I think that just a lot of the the things that I've taken to these kids are just being treated so well by the professors at Washita for real. And just like realizing how much they care about you and they just take you under their wing. And, you know, I think that that's provided me with um, just a way to, to love on these kids, you know, and just to be able to do that. And so, of course, children's ministry helped a lot. Um, children's ministry helped a whole lot with me being able to learn how to navigate children's ministry and navigate a classroom. My mom was also really big in education. And so. Um, it was really big for her to be able to see that, um, you know, I'm, I'm in a classroom now. That was one of her dreams. And so uh, I'm glad that um, she's able to remember, you know, with her early onset Alzheimer's that I am in a in a position that she um, always dreamed that I would be in. And so I love that she's able to be here and remember that. Um, but I, I think that Washita was just so foundational in not just what I learned in children's ministry, but also what I'm teaching and learning in Haiti as well. What was your initial um, connection with Haiti? I, I know you went on a mission trip, maybe at some point, like how old were you? What was that first trip like for you? And how did that kind of set you on this path? Yep. So I actually um, went when I was at Washtenaw, I went to Haiti in 2016 and it was incredible. It was an awesome experience. I'm not in the same area at all, but I am able to um, talk to those people still and be able to do that. And I'm really excited to be able to do that. But I think whenever I went to Haiti that first time, I knew that that's where I was supposed to be. And, um, you know, I think, I mean, we with OSF hung out a lot too. And I think I probably talked about Haiti quite a bit then too. Um, but it was just such, it, it just, it stole my heart the second I landed. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I think we keep finding things around here, like pictures from Haiti or, you know, you'd be talking about something and some bookmark would fall out or something, but you were always praying for Haiti and, and those kiddos. So, man, I was. Um, do you, what are your hopes and dreams for your work there as you return in the fall? Are there things that you're praying as you prepare to uh, return here in the fall? Absolutely. So I am, there are um, six teachers 
well, seven, I guess. Um, and so the way our school works is that we started with just kindergarten and they've added a grade each year. And so um, this year we add, we're going to be adding sixth grade, um, but I am one of the only two returning teachers. And so um, I think that one of my hopes and dreams is just that I can lead these, these new teachers well in their transition, but also just uh, more than anything, I just want to be sure that um, my kids are, education is important. You know that education is super important. Um, but I think more importantly than education is that we have the ability to be able to really be a part of these kids foundation and get to be a part of their spiritual walk. Like I said earlier, and just, um, you know, just how, how I want them to grow up and then raise their families. And so you're like, Oh, Mary, that happens in fourth grade. Well, yeah, it does. And, you know, I just hope that I can, um, just be someone that they remember that says, you know, that they are loved and that um, they're cared for. And more than anything, I just want them to know that they're, that they're loved. And so there's a verse in first John that, you know, it talks about how we love with not just word and deed, but actions and truth. And so my prayer and my goals is that, um, that I would just be able to love them with, with actions and words and deeds and truth, and that they would learn how to love others that way. As far as your, you know, commitment to this project, I know you're committed to come back in the fall. Do you see yourself staying there long-term? Is it kind of a year by year praying, God, you still have me here kind of thing? Is What's that like? You know, John, I think that you know, as well as me, that I'm someone who just kind of flies by the seat of my pants. And so, so I am willing to do whatever the Lord's leading me to do. Um, I, my initial commitment to Haiti was two years. And so this will be my second year. Um, and if the Lord keeps me there, then by golly, I'll do it with my whole heart. But if he leads me somewhere else, then I'll do that too. Um, so I don't really have any plans right after that, other than um, I do love being overseas. And even after being back in the States for a little bit, um, I really enjoy the opportunity that I've had to be overseas. So. Um, I can see myself definitely being overseas for a while. That's awesome. Uh, you know, how can Washaw alums out there listening today get involved either with your school or Mission Haiti or helping Haitians in general? Like, what can we tell those listening today that would get them uh, pumped and plugged in somehow to helping the people of Haiti? Yep. So that's a great question. And thanks so much for asking that. I think that whenever people ask about our personal organization, um, there's always questions about giving. Um, you know, there's always questions about like, what do you guys need? What do you guys need? And I think that people are always kind of sus- not suspicious, but they just want to know where their money is going. Right. And so, um, <clears throat> of course, the first need is always prayer. And I feel like that's such an answer that people are like, oh, yeah, we're praying for you. But no, like, I mean, we really do need the prayer. And so that's like a vital part of our ministry is, um, you know, prayer. And we know that prayer is important. And so prayer is absolutely the first way. But secondly, I was blown away my first or second week in Haiti. We do a distribution week um, for all eight of our schools. And I think it's over like 2000 students. Um, And we provide them with like a backpack and school supplies and um, shoes and all of that stuff. And I think that something that was really encouraging to me, if people are wanting to give, um, you know, like our students, our students have what they have because of the faithful givers that we have at Mission Haiti. 
And so I can promise you one thing with Mission Haiti from working there is that 100% of the gift that you give is going to go what you want it to go towards. And so, um, you know, like there's always a need for school supplies. There's always a need for our students at Jack to be able to get um, the things that they need in order to provide them with the best education possible. Um, and so it's really special to be able to work in a third world country and, and have these kids um, have people that love them so well that they want to give to them to better their education. And so, um, yeah, and if people want to get involved, John, I'd, I'd love for them to reach out. You know, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. And um, so if they have a need and they want to know how they can get involved, um, I would love to talk to them about that. So thanks for asking that question. Yeah. Can you receive physical items there easily? Like can people, if they did like a school supply drive, is that something that's easy to do or is it better to get you the money to buy them locally? You know, what, what's possible there? Yep. So it's a lot easier to, to get the money to buy things either locally or we have a shipping container that goes out. Um, and it's like, so our, we're based out of Sioux Falls, um, South Dakota. And so, um, the, the easiest thing for us to do is just to be able to, and be able to buy the school supplies and things that we need and put it on that shipping container and get it over. So, and there's teams also that come throughout the year. So if there's needs or like, if we're running low on school supplies, then those teams will, will buy those items with the money that we receive and, you know, pack the suitcases and get us what we need. Okay, great. Um, you know, we'll link to uh, Mission Haiti and I'll put some links in there too about how to find you on social so people can connect with you. But um, I'm sure some of our folks will want to get uh, involved. So we'll we'll link that for sure. That'd be awesome. Thank you. Yeah, switching gears. Let's talk Washita a little bit. Uh, it hasn't been too long ago since you were on campus, but um, how did you hear about Washita? What made you choose Washita for school? So I actually did not look at any other school. I just looked at Washita and I went to Baptist Prep in Little Rock and graduated from there. And that was a place that a lot of um, people were going to Washita from there. And so I just jumped on that bus and just said, hey, I'm just going to go to Washita. And so I was pretty easy. Um, it was pretty easy to win me over the second I stepped on campus. And uh, tell me about the the program that you connected with. Did you start the same program and kind of finished through it or did, what was that journey like for you? What was your major, that kind of thing? Um, that's a fun story. I started in kinesiology and then I went to education and was like, Oh, neither one of these are for me. I think I, you know, hit biology for maybe a week or two and um, also wasn't for me. And so then I was like, Oh, maybe Christian studies. But then I was like, well, if I'm a Christian, you know, I was one of those people that was like, well, if I'm a Christian, I can spread the gospel. Right. So actually I landed in nutrition, I think like late my sophomore year and how I graduated on time, the world may never know. <laughs> um, but I did that. And so my, my reasoning for doing that, John, was because I knew that I had um, a vision of being able to, you know, work with malnutrition overseas. And I'm still hoping that, that one day I'm able to do that. So Sounds good. Yeah. Getting a little taste of that, feeding those kiddos down there while you're teaching, but that's a exciting option too. You may have to come back and get your, uh, your master's and, you know, we're going to have that at some point soon, I think down here for nutrition. So that's exciting. Yeah. I saw that. I'm super excited about that. Um, you know, looking back, I know you were kind of known for having a lot of fun on campus and doing a lot of wild and crazy things with your friends. 
And what are one or two of your favorite uh, crazy memories as a student? Uh, you know, John, I think there's a lot. There's a lot. Um, the the roots will say this is always one of my favorite memories after Tiger Tunes. Whenever I, I I had shorts on everyone, don't freak out. But whenever I was waving my pants around on stage, I don't know if you remember that. Um, that was definitely one of those memories that I just think about. And I just think about how the roots just um, always talk to me about that every time they see me. But also, you know, we talked about earlier, like, I would just do odd things. I look back and think, why did I do that? But like stealing the lawnmower and riding it around, um, that was probably one of the things. And then that cat got stuck in cone bottoms one time and I had to call security to come in. And so there were just things like that, that I look back and I'm like, man, I was so odd, but also some of the most fun times were when I was in OSF and like getting to help with gold tigers and getting to drive the tram around and just getting to, you know, talk to them and just see that, that the love that they have for the students of, of Washington and how they want to keep on giving to, to a place that had such a meaningful impact on them as well. Do I remember some kind of like, inflatables that were floating around in a flooded field um let's talk to bonnie mcgee about that one but the air mattresses <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. we put on the stinking river it flooded and nurse molly came and told us to get off the air mattresses and then i had that inflatable llama and we had the deer head for a little bit too and so i think anyone who was at washita the same time as, as me probably ended up with having to carry the deer head around campus john they probably did that's funny. Nurse Molly really does try to keep things in order. I, something, I guess we were on our way to, uh, yeah, to tracks that, you know, we did this fall tiger tracks and the weather was really cold and it was still COVID and people were walking around there and I could just, Emily was walking down to the field and can hear nurse Molly say, well, there they go. They're all going to get a cold. They're all going to get COVID whatever. Cause it was so cold. We ended up doing about 10 seconds in the mud before we realized these people are going to freeze to death in the mud. So yep. she's like, she's like security. That's not labeled security. I'm not going to, yeah. she is. So, yeah, you know, we, we got the first couple of teams into the mud and they said it was so cold. They said, what if we just rock, paper, scissored and figured out who won? And we were like, I guess that's fine. We got through one and then everybody else wanted to do that too. And we were like, eh, just, we can't do this. <laughs> everybody out of the mud. Oh, Tiger Tracks. What a fun time. I know you should start it in Haiti. You should do a little Tiger Tracks action down there. Done. I'm on it. I'll video you guys. Zoom you in. Love it. Hey, what are a couple of takeaways, things you learned at Washaw that have either shaped you or that you use in what you're doing down there, things that have made an impact on your life? Are there a couple of things you, that come to mind there? Yeah, for sure. So I know I've talked about OSF a little bit, John, but just um, being able to have a leadership position at Washaw, I think, you know, I was involved in Student Senate as well. And um, just being able to learn how to lead um, and learn how to lead, you know, because you kind of do it by yourself, but you also get led. And like you guys walk beside us and be sure that, you know, we're doing the things that we need to do. And so um, I think that just learning that um, leadership is important. And that's even something that I teach my kids. Like, you you know, you want to be a leader. You need to be a leader. It's important to be a leader. Um, and so I think that just being able to have the opportunity to, to do things like that and even being able to have the opportunity to put yourself in uncomfortable situations that um, – you get more comfortable with. So like for me, that was, 
you know, some of my speaking things. Um, and I'm just trying to think of some other things, but like, even I got the opportunity to direct the tune show and I was super uncomfortable at the beginning of that. But then towards the end of that, um, it was something that I turned out to love. And so I think also we talked about this at the beginning, but just the love that the faculty has for us, um, and how they, they really pour out everything that they have into your, um, into your daily lives. And they want to know, you know, I worked at a church in Little Rock as I was serving, um, or as I was going to school at Washita and they were so kind, especially my Thursday classes, every professor, if, you know, I mean, you get back late from a church in Little Rock. And so they were just so understanding of, um, which I always was in class, but, you're super understanding of like if there was a hiccup and you had to stay in literac that night or something like that. And so I think just flexibility, um, seeing their flexibility and me learning how to be flexible um, has really helped shape flexibility, especially in a third world country, because you might have plans and you might have meetings and you might have things and you just have to be flexible, you know, and you have to be able to make changes and make quick decisions. And so I definitely think that as well as just, um, I really love having spiritual and education together. Mm-hmm. And so just being able to, you know, just be able to freely talk about the word and just being able to freely talk about, um, you know, what's going on in your lives and how they really care. And I think that that's something that I've seen in my students, whenever you sit down and talk with them and say, you know what, like you're acting out in this way and why are you doing that? You know, you had a really bad morning at home or maybe you didn't get the food that you need. And so um, I think that one of the biggest takeaways was just um, knowing that you're loved and knowing that you're cared for and how you can take that into your life no matter where you go. And so um, they didn't care what was going on, but they cared about the why behind it, I think. And that's just something that I've learned is that um, especially with these kids that I work with, John, you know, they, you don't know what they're coming from. A lot of them don't really have, um, I mean, they have homes, but a lot of, some of them might sleep on the floor. Some of them, you know, their house might've flooded the night before because it rained and they might've been cold. And so if they're having a crabby day, it might be because it rained last night, you know, and you have to give them a little bit of extra grace. And so I think the extra grace that I received at Washita, and we know that there was a lot of that with me, um, <laughs> Um, is something that I was able, that I'm able to still use today. Uh, you know, we have this segment on the podcast. You've heard it, you know, 26 times as you've listened in Haiti to the podcast, um, these fast fave five. So, uh, again, they don't have to be fast, just your favorite things here. Uh, favorite professor at Washtaw. Is there somebody who stands out to you? Stacey Freeman. Absolutely. So. Just laid back, you know, she's just laid back, but she makes sure you learn what you need to learn. And so definitely Stacey Freeman. I love it. How about favorite class? Was there a favorite class either in your major or one of your many majors you tried? A favorite class of yours? I was thinking about this one a lot. I would have to say probably, uh, if Dr. Breck is listening to this, she's going to get so angry that I don't remember the name of the class, but it was the cooking class. And it was only my favorite because I laughed every day in that class because I couldn't cook worth a flip. (laughs) And so I had so much fun in that class just because I didn't know what I was doing. And I was a nutrition major. So that's fun. I'm sure she will listen and think that is a hoot. I feel like I know the answer to this, but favorite Tiger Teen show. 
Um, I'm a little biased, but I'm gonna have to go with tri kai matches. I mean, I could probably do the whole thing right now with you, but <laughs> it's a good one. Other than that, you have any faves that jump out at you? Um, yikes! There's so many good ones. There's so many good ones. Um, Egyptians. Egyptians was so good. One of my favorites, absolutely. And so, um, listen, I also love the Cairo Fine Nuns. I miss them. The Cairo Fine Nuns were my favorite, I think. It was a good show. That was classic. Very so, yeah, we I'm also a fan of Trikai Under the Sea. We uh yeah, we just got some of those costumes in for the archives so we can have those uh for the tunes 50th. Great. Yeah, very exciting. Oh, that's awesome. Um, favorite spot on campus. Do you have a favorite place? Yeah, probably your office, Sean. That's where I spent the most of my time, junior and senior year. Yes, this became uh, Tunes headquarters, OSF headquarters. You know, there's a lot of stuff happening here. A lot of life going on. Probably, probably your office at the intramural fields. You know, I spent a lot of time in the intramural fields too. So, yeah, that's good. Hey, how about uh, favorite Sonic order in the Delph? Everyone's favorite place. Yeah, so either raspberry water or mango peach water. I guess they don't have Sonic in the Haiti anywhere. Unfortunately, we don't have Sonic in the Haiti, John. Save me. Why don't you come build one down there for us? There you go. I'll put that on the uh, the list of needs for Mission Haiti as a Sonic. Yeah. On there. Sonic. I could go for some Sonic cheese sticks in Haiti every now and then. Do you have a Sonic in Stuttgart where you're living right now? Yes, we do. Praise the Lord. We That's do. Good. That's good. Yeah. I always feel like they could double the one here and make plenty of money if they just open up some more lanes. They absolutely could. Um, any other favorite memories during your time at Washtenaw? Anything that stands out? You know, I just really loved my time at Washtenaw, and I think about it a lot, and I talk about it a lot. But I think that Washtenaw is just a great place, and it's like I said at the beginning. Um, you, you just know that it's a it's a place of family, and so I think that everywhere I go, I was literally talking to someone this morning at a small church here in Stuttgart and uh, we were talking about Washita and they're like oh I went to Washita and I was like oh just like connections there's literally connections everywhere and you're like what how does such a small school have so many connections but I mean it really does and so just the atmosphere is great um I don't think there's any like particular memory that sticks out to me but I think that when I think about it I had so many great memories that it's hard to just think of one yeah so I yeah yeah, just so many great ones. That's good. Hey, anything else you'd like to share with uh, those listening today, your Washtenaw family out there? Washtenaw is a great place to be. So recruit well. You know, I think that there's some great things that are happening at Washtenaw. And um, I think that it's an incredible place to be. And I'm not just saying that. And so um, I think just I think just even seeing people come back and just like seeing them just you know, serve and just like, even with silent auction and just things like that. And so it's just really incredible. And it's a really important place to be. I think that I laughed coming into Washtenaw because I was like, oh, it's just a college, like it's just a college. And then he, being on the other side, if I have children of my own one day, I want them to attend Washtenaw um, just because it was so foundational in, in even just my life and just the people that, that poured into me and were willing to um, take care of me there. Um, and so I had a hard couple of years at Washtenaw, but they were also some of the best couple of years. And so, and that that's because of the people and the faculty. And so, um, I think one of my favorite memories was walking in 
Dr. Wright's office whenever he was interim president and him just putting the medal around Nick and I, that was pretty interesting. <laughs> so okay. what is it? The, the chain, the thing that has yeah. all the different presidents on it. Yeah. That thing is big. Yeah. So heavy. So, um, but I really, I really appreciate you reaching out to me today, John. Um, I love talking about Washington. It just gets me pumped up in my soul when I get to talk about it. So, well, Hey, well, we are, Proud of you. You know, Emily and I are for sure, but so is your Washtaw family here. And um, we're praying for you as you, you know, spend your summer with your family here, that you'll have good times with your mom and your family there, um, that you'll just feel rested and prepared for another school year as you go back to Haiti. And uh, hopefully we'll get some other Washingtonians involved in your work there, maybe send some teachers down there to you too. So yeah, we're recruiting. So be sure to tell the education department, like we're going to be looking for some new teachers come you know, December, January. So um, it's a great place to serve. That's my, that's my mission Haiti minute of the day. (laughs) There you go. Well, Hey, thanks again for hopping on here. And uh, we just appreciate you so much. We'll talk soon. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to the Tiger for Life podcast. Be sure to rate and subscribe so you won't miss out on future episodes.